Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month. Get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shout-outs, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to GatorsBreakdown.SupportingCast.FM to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Bringing you this episode, the last Billy Napier press conference before game week, before game prep. Game prep on this Thursday it starts. It starts. The game prep starts versus Utah right here on this Thursday. Uh, it's been fall camp, just concentrating on the Gators. Um, that's what they've been doing out there on the field up to this point, but now game prep. And, of course, they're working in some stuff. Of course, they want to work in versus Utah, but full earnest right now going into the um, you know going into game week, the Gators will start prep versus Utah. So one more Billy Napier press conference to kind of get an update on the team coming out of the second scrimmage, the Gators building some depth, and the kind of theme of this episode is going to be looking at some of the young players Florida will be relying on, either for starting roles or pushing for starting roles, pushing for depth certainly for the Gator team where there's a lot of questions there. So we'll get into it, what Billy Napier had to say, some of my thoughts to go along with that. But before we get there... Big, big shout out to you listeners out there, you viewers out there. Five million lifetime plays of Gators Breakdown. I cannot thank you enough, whether it be on YouTube. Some of you joining me live right here. Kind of uh, Sometimes I just don't know when I'm able to go live. But with And this schedule this week has been kind of crazy for me. But bringing it to you right here as soon as I can. So whether it be YouTube, whether it be the podcast, whether Apple, Google, Spotify, however you listen to Gators Breakdown, Five million plays out there. Everybody, thank you. Thank you so much for all the support. Uh, Will, for hopping in, being the co-host. And I'll speak for him as well. He put a message out there for Twitter. So uh, thank you from him as well. Uh, but just as we go into the season, big milestone uh, being hit right here on Gators Breakdown. So five million lifetime thanks to all you as we head into this season. Hopefully many more to come in the coming weeks and months as we dive into this Gator football team in this 2022 season. 
Uh, also, another milestone coming up, and I'd like to get there in the next week and a half before Florida kicks off versus Utah. We're oh so close to 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. So if you haven't done so yet, hit that subscribe button. That really helps us out. Hit that like button. Uh, that helps us out as well. Helps more people out there find Gators Breakdown if they're on YouTube. Or, you know, share it out there on social media. Uh, if you like what you're hearing right here on Gators Breakdown, you can check us out for more at newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. Uh, and Gators Breakdown Plus, I'll kind of end this episode with some questions from the Gators Breakdown Plus Discord. Uh, but with football season coming up, even more coverage coming up through Gators Breakdown Plus, Q&A episodes, whether that be chat or whether that be I'll send an email out early in the week. You'll reply back with some questions, and I'll do an episode on Gators Breakdown Plus there. So if you want even more content, even more Gators coverage coming up this football season, you can join Gators Breakdown Plus. Almost pushing 500 members there. Uh, so hop on board. Hop on board. Giveaways uh, coming up as, uh, as well uh, to, to go along with that. So some good stuff coming up with the football season on the horizon. So, all right, let's get to Billy Napier, what he had to say about this roster shaking out on the heels of the second scrimmage. We made significant progress. Um, you know, I mean, I think that anytime you're approaching that second scrimmage, you come out of that second scrimmage like we've discussed, that's a critical window. Uh, you're in the middle of training camp and, you know, there's not necessarily a light at the end of the tunnel, right? So how well your team handles that, I think is important. Uh, and, you know, things have shaked out to some degree. Um, but I go back to kind of what we discussed many times. I think we have a core group of players here that'll be week to week. You know, how much are they going to get an opportunity to play? Um, you know, we've got a core group of veterans, but I think there's a, a lot of players on our team that what percentage of the snaps that they play relative to their position is going to be based off of their performance. You know, meetings, walk through practice, uh, self-discipline off the field, all these things that contribute to those decisions. So I think you'll see quite a bit of that throughout the season. This week will be no different. There we go. Of course, should be no surprise, first-year head coach, still learning about this team, still learning the roster, still learning how he can build depth, that competitions are going to be going into the spring. Not a surprise whatsoever. I think you – identify your starting 11 on offense. You identify your starting 11 on defense as quickly as possible. I think Florida's pretty set there if you want to go through the roster. Not a, a huge surprise. We know quarterback. Running back still shaking out. We'll, 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 we'll get into that later, a little bit later uh, with some of the questions coming up. Wide receiver, I think you've identified your first three, four there. Offensive line, the starting five, of course, are set especially now Ethan White healthy going through uh, practice. We did see that the other day. So you know you're starting five there, even maybe going down to eight guys now that we identified in the last episode. Now, of course, defensive line, <laughs> we've discussed that a lot since last, since last year ended and going through spring and where we're at right now. We know Jervon Dexter up front. Princely probably has a – an uh, edge there for a starting role, but of course, what happens at defensive tackle? Desmond Watson probably uh, gets that starting nod to begin with. We'll get into that a little bit too. You know, how much can he be on the field? Linebacker, I think, you know, Ventura Miller, of course, he's there. So you know, this, you know one starter at linebacker. Amari Bernie, I know people are going to roll their eyes at it, but he's been showing up so far in, in fall camp. I know there's a lot of, I got to see it to believe it. 
But if I'm going to list one linebacker, two linebacker, Miller and probably Bernie, we'll get into more of that as well as the episode goes along. But as I said, you can identify a lot of the starters. Of course, Jason Marshall. But who's cornerback too? What's happening there? Jaden Hill not able to take part so far. So that still opens up a door for Avery Helm, Devin Moore, the true freshman. Uh, Kimber, the transfer from Georgia. Safety, kind of think we know there. Dean, Torrance, and also where Travez Johnson probably fits into that nickel spot. So, as I said, not a lot of questions for those starting 11 on offense and defense, but what about behind it? So, as Billy Napier has said, you know, how do these players that are fighting for depth positions, maybe even in the few spots of fighting for starting roles, how are they going to handle the responsibility moving forward? We know accountability was an issue last season. Sounds like that's going to start in earnest now with how you approach this process of going to go fight for your spot. You know, there could be guys on this team that are more that are in more of a competition than they think they should be or they thought they would be. How do they respond? Does it push them harder? You hopefully that's hopefully that's what it brings to it. If there is competition for a spot. And the first game's next week. You hope those guys didn't have this kind of timeline in their head. Say, well, I thought I'd be starting by now. I thought, thought coach would have named me a starter by now. Or I thought I'd be playing over this guy. Well, hopefully that pushes them even more. Or you could go the other way. They could sulk about it. Let it affect their play moving forward. So it does sound like Billy Napier right now for some of the younger players, some guys who are inexperienced, how are they going to respond to certain situations before they are – filling roles on this team. We've all heard how different the culture is and, and how much buy-in there is. And that should bleed over into accountability, but I think we're going to get a lot of answers right now. You know, I, hope, I hope what all this competition means and um, these probably questions behind these starters, I hope that builds depth for this season. I hope, that, I hope that's what that means. We know there's just a whole lot of inexperience at that level. But plenty of competition going well into the season. If they all buy into that competition aspect of it, this team's gonna this team's gonna build some depth. Now it may not be there versus Utah game one. It may not be there game two versus Kentucky. Billy Napier said this is going to be going on into the season. So depth may not be there initially. In some spots it will be. As we said, we can now probably go eight, nine deep on offensive line. Well, I think linebacker, while we identify Miller and Bernie, we can Definitely name three, four more guys. We'll do that later on, but Shamari James, true freshman, coming in, making waves there. Secondary, I just named off who three guys who could play cornerback two right now. So there's some depth. There's There are some depth in certain positions as well, just not all across the board. And we know that. I'm not breaking any news here. But here we go. You know, speaking of depth, it certainly sounds like this team and kind of the theme of this episode right here will be utilizing some young players, even some true freshmen, to help fill in this roster. Here's Napier speaking on, on some of these young guys on this team. You know, I, like I said before, I've always felt, you know, kind of like going into the after spring, I would say we got a one and a half units, you know, if that makes sense. But I do believe that we've made progress, right? I think we've got um, players that have proven over time that they are loyal, that we can, um, we see consistency from them, right? They are responsible, they are dependable. 
we need more players that can play winning football. I think we have some that are in the middle of that process. But I do think that we've developed some players, right, that maybe have not played a significant role for the Gators in the past. You know, a few off the top of my head would be uh, Tyreek Sapp, Austin Barber. Um, you know, those are two in particular that stand out to me that I think are, you know, they're, they're starters in my mind. They might not be a starter. They may or may not be a starter on game day, but they're going to play, you know. Um, there are other players that I think fit into that, right? I mean, some of the rookies that fit in that category, right? Shamar James is an exceptional player, right? Um, there's a number of young players that I think their role will grow as we, you know, continue to compete. But, you know, we've developed some of the players on our team that have minimal experience, and I think they're ready for the, the show. Now, how are they going to prepare you know, the week of the game or 10 days, 10 days out from the game. You know, we officially turned the page today. Um, so I think that development in football, sometimes you got to go out there and learn. You know, I mean, you think you understand what it's going to be like out there, you know, to play in a game setting. But I think that's one of the exciting things to me about this team is we got a lot of players that have minimal experience that I think are going to grow as the season goes. Good to hear there from Billy Napier because we know Florida needs to build depth. And if they're going to build some depth, they're probably going to have to rely on some true freshmen, redshirt freshmen, to really build that depth. Some young guys who do not have a lot of experience and some guys' names we've heard all throughout fall camp. Let's start with the true freshmen that we have heard a lot from with these notes uh, coming out of fall camp. Look, guys, it, it, take it with a grain of salt. You know, a lot of it's secondhand information, and there's not a lot of availability for fall camp, so you keep that in mind. Uh, but we continue to hear a few names week in and week out, practice in, practice out, two scrimmages so far. Most recently, Caleb Douglas Napier in that press conference spoke about Caleb Douglas and what he's been able to do at receiver. Had a nice scrimmage number two at the wide receiver position. And we know if you can identify those top three, four receivers. If you go Justin Shorter, Xavier Henderson, who is really having a nice ball camp, can we see that translate to the season? Ricky Pearsall coming, bouncing back from injury. Him and Jason Marshall back there on the field for the Gators this past practice. A big time. You know, we were wondering about where those guys stood injury-wise, uh, but kind of concentrating here at the wide receiver position. Ricky Pearsall out there cutting, catching balls. Great to see. And then uh, Trent Whittemore. So there's, there's your four right there that we all can easily identify. And then it's just going to be, who do you feel good about after that? And Caleb Douglas, a true freshman coming in and making waves so far. And I'm not saying that's going to mean he's going to contribute, but don't be surprised when we start looking down this depth chart of who, as a young player, can step up. It may be Caleb Douglas because behind that, we know options Florida has at the receiver position. But, I mean, can we sit here and confidently say Jamarcus Weston, Jaquavion Frazier, I'm high on him. Um, but can we confidently say Weston, Frazier's, Burke, Reynolds. Can we confidently say those guys are, are going to be in that second rotation and have a lot of confidence there? Not yet. They got to go prove it. And I hope they do. Not saying they can't. I'm just saying that's why the question is there. And that might be 
why we hear a receiver like Caleb Douglas coming in and his, hearing his name. I've heard his name, and that might be just because he's a true freshman and, and people are more in tune with, okay, how are the young guys looking? But I've heard his name more than Marcus Burke. I've heard his name more than Dejon Reynolds, Jamarcus Weston. Does that mean anything? Absolutely. It, absolutely not. It, 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 it does not mean it has to play out that way. As I said, take what we hear and then look, some, a lot of the news I trust. If I go and if we go back to a year ago and what we were hearing out of fall camp and Emory Jones struggling, well, that, that bared out, that played out during the season. That doesn't mean it, it, it all does. <laughs> you know, you're going against each other here. There are certain situations, there are certain positions the coaching staff's putting you in. So it's not the end all be all of whose name we're hearing, whose name we're not hearing. But just to speak on that fact alone, I am hearing Caleb Douglas's name more so than the other receivers I mentioned. So what does that mean? Does it translate? Trevor Etienne at the running back position. Florida goes four deep there, but he's making headway. He's going to be pushing for some snaps. He's going to be pushing for some carries. Does that mean more carries than Montreal Johnson, Naquan Wright, Lorenzo Lingard? I don't know, but he's carved out a niche. He's carved out some playing time as a true freshman so far in fall camp. Does, does that mean he's third or fourth running back? Look, he's not going to be right over Wright or Johnson. Can he fight for split carries versus Lingard? I mean, Lingard's name was hot during the spring kind of calmed down here during the fall. And then there is some word that ETN could be pushing him for carries. I don't know how to take that yet, but just know that is a theme that is out there this fall camp. Then Arliss Bordingham at tight end. He was a name we heard early in fall camp as a mismatch as a tight end on linebackers. Is he another young name as is on, on the offensive side of the ball from the true freshman group? We know Billy Napier likes to use tight ends. We know he'll go two tight end sets at times. Do we expect Keon Zipperer to be this pass-receiving threat tight end that fits in this offense? And if he can't be, then I mean, I haven't heard a whole lot from Zipperer at all. I really haven't. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, if we go to the other side of the ball, we go on defense. Who are some true freshmen that we've been hearing about these last few weeks in fall camp? Chris McClellan, defensive tackle. Heard more back in the spring, but we know Florida's depth issues at defensive tackle. He's going to have to play. He's going to have to be counted on to build some depth there for Florida. And it's probably one of those players, Billy Napier says, you know, one of the, as we get through this season, as we go week by week, what are the responsibilities? What are these players doing to earn themselves some playing time. And I find it right there at defensive tackle a lot. Desmond Watson, Jalen Lee, you hear those names um, a, a bit, Jalen Humphreys. But can somebody like Chris McClellan, who was one of the highest-ranked recruits in the, in the last cycle, can he push for some playing time there? Shamar James, right now, 
might be the pinpoint freshman that we're looking at. Might be the freshman that comes in and look, I mean, <laughs> behind Kamari Wilson, he was what the second highest recruit in the, in the, in the transition class. Would it be surprised if a guy who has played true linebacker in high school shoots up the linebacker depth chart? It shouldn't be. Mitchell Miller, just a ton of experience there, of course. He's your number one guy. Mario Bernie has gained experience over the last couple few years at the linebacker spot, but was not recruited as a linebacker at Florida. The one black, very athletic, you know, can play other positions. Not a true linebacker. Derek Wingo played edge in high school, not a true linebacker. Scooby Williams, same mold, played a little more linebacker. Wingo didn't play linebacker at all in high school. Scooby did with edge and outside linebacker linebacker roles. But Jamar James recruited as a linebacker. One of the country's best linebackers has the instincts to play that position. One of the most instinctual positions on the field. And you got to want to get dirty and physical. You know, do those other players who didn't play a lot of linebacker, do they have that mindset coming in? Well, we know. We know Shamar James does and did play in that position in high school, and it's translating pretty well. He's shooting up that. He's going to be pushing for playing time as a true freshman at the linebacker spot. And then Devin Moore, who was you know, probably the highlight freshman toward the beginning of fall camp, showing off his speed, one of the fastest players on the team. Taking one of the fir- very first fall camp practices, if not the first, he was lined up as the number two cornerback opposite Jason Marshall. And then Jason Marshall, nursing a very minor hamstring injury, opens up the door, you know, rest him, make it where he doesn't have to stress that hamstring anymore, opens up the more, uh, the door even more for somebody like Devin Moore to get some more reps there with Avery Helm and Jalen Kimber. He's going to play. He's going to play a lot. So there's some young guys right there that I just named six, three on offense, Douglas, ETN, Boardingham, and on defense, McClellan, James, Moore, who I think we can identify as may have some roles on this Gator team and some big roles being counted on a lot. And we see it all over college football. And just because you're a true freshman does not mean you can go out there and cannot contribute. We see it all the time now. It's, not, it's, it's nothing new anymore. And with that... I wanted to bring up Billy Napier's history with the two transfers he brought in of successful freshmen that he has had. Osiris Torrance might be the best overall player on the team. When you go and look at it and where he's at in position groups and where he's getting picked as All-American picks and draft pick, might be the best overall player on the team right now. Montreal Johnson, the running back Billy Napier brought over. So those two transfers played huge impactful roles as true freshmen under Billy Napier at Louisiana. And Montreal Johnson was just last year. We all saw that. And that's why we knew it was going to be a big pickup for Florida. You got some years with him. And Osiris Torrance right now comes in one of the best players in the country. Now, I don't know every true freshman Billy Napier played at Louisiana. (laughs) And no time to go back and look at that. But those two that I just mentioned, Torrance and Johnson, large roles for the Raging Cajuns. And you hope that's an, you know, an indicator of identifying talent and not being afraid to play freshman. 
And let's just go back. Torrance in 2019, as a true freshman, offensive line probably one of the hardest positions you can come in, even at that level. But you can come in and make waves. Can you play? Sure. Can you have an impact? That's questionable. So Torrance, you go back in 2019, his true freshman season at Louisiana, he started 13 of the team's 14 games. His first career start was September 7th that year against Liberty. With that start, he became the first true freshman to start a game on the offensive line since Jesse Newman started against Louisiana Monroe back in 2004. So though even, as I'm saying, at that level, it's not easy to come in as an offensive lineman and then come in and play 13 of the 14 games. It had been 15 years since Louisiana, that school had done it. And then in that 2019 season, Torrance was named 2019 Football Writers Association of America, Sean Alexander Freshman All-American Team. A true freshman making an impact. Johnson did it as well. Montreal Johnson comes in, played in all 14 games as a true freshman. He was a team leader in rushing touchdowns last season and second on the team in rushing yards with 838. He was almost a 1,000-yard rusher as a true freshman. Averaged 5.2 yards carry, back-to-back 100-yard rushing game against App State on October 12th and Arkansas State October 21st. Ran for 150 yards with a 99-yard touchdown versus Arkansas State. Became the 13th player in NCAA history to accomplish that feat. Named Sunbelt Offensive Player of the Week after rushing for four touchdowns versus Ohio. He had three multi-touchdown performances. 98 yards against Georgia State. 84 versus Ohio. Six passes for 53 yards. And he scored a rushing touchdown in New Orleans Bowl versus Marshall in his last game at Louisiana. And he also was selected to the Sean Alexander Freshman of the Year award watch list. So there you go. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Billy Napier, two freshmen right there that he ends up bringing to Florida. Osiris Torrance back in 2019, Montreux Johnson last year. So some success with some freshmen that are now Gators for Billy Napier. So if we extend it a little bit and I'll talk true freshmen, Give you a preview there of some freshmen that built with Billy Napier at Louisiana to the most impactful freshmen that he's had. They're here now at Florida, but certainly sounds like some redshirt freshmen will make some contributions. And it looks like more on the defensive side of the ball. And you guys know we, we, we've discussed this a lot in the last few episodes, but constant praise for guys like Tyreek Sapp, Justice Boone. Right there, building some depth along the defensive line. Sat might even play some defensive tackle a little bit. But certainly, splitting some time with Prince of Human Milan, giving Jervon Dexter a breather. Jordan Young, like Sap, he may be picking up where he left off with a great spring game performance, playing a role on the defensive side. So guys who are redshirt freshmen didn't play a whole lot last year, of course. That's why you know, they're redshirted. It's not just true freshmen that could be making their you know, first official starts or their first big impact this season. 
There's going to be those guys I just mentioned, especially Sapp and Boone, Jordan Young. We'll see. As I said, I brought up the numbers in the secondary earlier. But if he continues to pick up, as I said, where he left off in the spring and continue hearing his name in fall camp, why not? Why not put him out? He proved he's a very good tackler. We know how much tackling has been an issue. And that's one thing that it, the biggest thing that caught my eye in the spring game from him. But Sap, boom, for sure, are going to play huge factors. And as Billy Napier said, they may not be quote-unquote starters, but they're going to play a lot of snaps, especially Sap. And with Sap, I'm going to go back. A lot of praise for Will Miles and, and Nick Knudsen, Read Reaction Preview Magazine, and they asked me to take part in their magazine. And this was back in late May. And look, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the only one, so I'm not going to give myself a big pat on the back, and we'll see how this season plays out, of course. But they did ask me, who do I expect to break out in 2022? And I said, I'll read you a quote what I said. Quote, I'm going to ride the spring game hop of Tyreek Sapp. Made one of the biggest plays in the game, the forced fumble hill in the Marcus Bowman. But he also showed flashes with multiple pressures that night. One pressure resulted in the Donovan McMillan interception in the end zone. The other with a pass breakup to DeWan Black. We know Florida needs more consistent pass rushing ability, playmaking ability, tackles for loss ability. And that whole group, Sapp, Princely, Justice Boone, filled with potential. But if you go back to Sapp, he's a top 100 player in the class of 2021. Came to Florida as one of Dan Mullen's highest recruits. And it's, we, we've heard his name ever since the spring game, with spring practice, even dating back to last year a bit. And that's why I keep saying we heard his name as a true freshman a bit. Now we know, I mean, Dan Mullen, that staff, they did play some true freshmen. Some they did not. But he was a name that we heard dating back to about a year ago in fall camp that showed it with this staff in spring and the spring game. And now fall camp, we keep hearing about Tyreek Sapp. And I'm picking him to be my breakout player of 2022. But as I said, those guys I named who are uh, who I'm expecting big things from as far as redshirt freshmen go, they're on the defensive side of the ball. As I said, very, practice has been very limited. But one, Billy Napier has identified, and we identified him on the last podcast and dating back earlier in the fall camp, is Austin Barber, offensive lineman. He got time at tackle early in camp while Richard Garage was battling a minor injury and turned heads, did some really good things. And offensive line is one of those positions, of course, we feel so great about their starting five, all the experience Florida brings there. Raising the talent level with Osiris Torrance, but one of those guys go down. What happens? What happens there? Austin Barber comes in. It was, it, I mean, we got to see it right away in fall camp. Richard Garage goes to SEC Media Days, and then he's not at the first fall camp. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, what's going on here? Very minor injury, just giving him some rest. But that opens the door for somebody to go out there and prove themselves. And it sounds like, as I said, take all this stuff with a grain of salt, and, and I, hope, I hope it all comes to fruition. All these positive things we're hearing about, I hope it all comes to fruition. One of those aspects is Austin Barber coming in and playing very well. To take over for Garage is a 
moved Michael Tarquin from right to left, and Barber came in and played right tackle. And from all reports and notes coming out of there, people I've talked to, Austin Barber really showed out, did some nice things, building some depth for the Gators at the tackle position. Nick Elksness is uh, another name on the offensive side I've heard a bit. We just talked about tied in with Arliss Boardingham as a true freshman coming in. Well, Nick Elksness is a redshirt freshman. Nice catch and run ability as a tight end. Got that bigger body frame, too. I think you can ask to be a blocker at the same time. So a versatile piece at the tight end position. Not, not somebody who may be known as just a blocker or more of a blocker at the position or more of a pass catcher at the tight end. Farnham's going to need one of those guys that are balanced. A guy that can do it both. A guy that can do both of those pass catching and blocking abilities. But I haven't heard a lot. Now go back to the wide receiver position. Marcus Burt, Dejon Reynolds. Not a slide of those guys. It's just in the limited access we have gotten. Haven't heard those names. Haven't really heard of coaches bring them up either. And that may not mean a thing. You know, coach, he doesn't, when he, in these press conferences, you got about 15, 20 minutes with him. He doesn't have time to go through every player, but he hasn't seen any of those guys out. And that may, that may, that may not mean anything. I don't want to put too much on that. But I do think we start looking at some of these redshirt freshmen guys who were true freshmen last year, didn't get much of a, a shake, much of a chance. This is their time now to start making a name for themselves with the new staff. We have heard some names from the coaches, some names from people I talked to, all the practice reports out there, and the Gator Collective message board out there, guys. Be sure to join it. Bob Redman, Gaines Vegas. I mean, really good practice reports, really good practice notes. So some of the names I'm bringing up, you know, I heard in multiple, I mean, 24-7's practice reports, on three's practice reports, the ones I mentioned at Gator Collective, people I have talked to. If I'm, if I'm bringing up the names here, I mean, there's three, four sources right there that you know, can corroborate and, and back it up. But that doesn't mean that's the only people out there making those contributions. But... You know, with time being limited in the press conferences and time being limited, the open portions of practice, those are the names that we have continued to hear about all throughout fall camp. So leave a comment. Leave a comment, guys. Anybody I'm leaving out you think is a true freshman or a redshirt freshman, maybe even, you know, a sophomore here or a redshirt sophomore, somebody within their first couple of years that I'm leaving out. I only concentrated right here on the, on the freshman, the true freshman and the redshirt freshman, but if there's anybody else out there you think I'm leaving out, go ahead, put it in the comments. Whether it be live here on YouTube or in the comment section afterwards. Uh, race fan, I'm, I'm going to leave a couple comments here before I go into a couple of questions. But, yeah, he says, give me Jordan Young as my breakout player. I mean, there we go. That's, <laughs> he is certainly another candidate to, to, to break out at the, uh, you know, in, in that defensive secondary. Uh, Hardwire says, while we're talking about secondary, Dean at Star, I have heard that is, uh, has been happening a little bit too, and I know we're gun-shy there because of what happened a few years ago at that uh, Star position with, when, when Trey Dean was there. But uh, I'm, 
everybody gets a clean slate for me on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and now look, I don't think it's a major part of like he's him playing that role a lot. I think it's hey, if somebody goes down, can he go fill in there? Can he go make some plays there in certain looks and certain formations or whatever the offense is showing? You know, I don't think he's going to be a huge, huge focus there, but I think if you see him there, it's more of he can make a play at that position unless somebody gets hurt. Let's see. I'll go through some more of these comments before I move on to some of these questions. Trying to keep it on topic here. Um, one thing I'll bring up, we've talked about some of, in some of the players here, and I, I, I see Mamou Diabate's name brought up because of who Florida plays, of course, versus um, in game one, Utah. He transfers to Utah. Riddler357 says, Utah's coaches say Diabate was trained very well at linebacker. Yeah, no, he wasn't. Uh, Utah lost an All-American linebacker. Yep, uh, Devin Lloyd. Diabate will replace him, but lacks the size. Of the previous All-American. Yep, he does like that size. Uh, one of those, of course, you know, guys you didn't necessarily see him put, play in linebacker like he was asked to at Florida when he was recruited here, especially his freshman season too, but he was just coming off the edge. Um, with that, look, I, I, I am going to be fair here. If I am willing to give Trey Dean and Amari Bernie a clean slate because they get a new defensive staff, I'm going to do the same for Mamou Diabate at Utah. I mean, it's only fair. Um, now, do I have my questions that he can go be a, a linebacker at, at Utah and have a lot of success? Yeah. I mean, because of what we did see at, here at Florida, I don't think he's a very physical player. I think a lot of that, and I know he had a lot of tackles, but a lot of that was plays coming at him, not him going and attacking. Now, if they say he's trained very well at linebacker, then. Uh, okay, maybe he was, and as we said, the scheme just was not there. Maybe Christian Robinson and him in particular and their linebacker coaching and training, okay, but then did not put, you know, as Diabate said last year, I think I believe what it was after the LSU game, hey, just do what I'm told out there. But if I'm willing to give Trading and Amari Bernie a pass for a new defense, I've got to do the same for Diabate. Maybe a, a, a change of scenery, a new staff, a new defense to play in makes him a better player just like I think this can for Trey Dean and Amari Bernie and you know those type of guys who have a lot of experience played in a lot in that last defense a lot but change of scenery new defense could be better for them as well Gator Gang 22, or 2022, what happened to Jalen Kimber? Have heard zero about him. Yeah, it, it took a while for me to hear anything about him as well. Probably within the last week, uh, he was getting some more playing time, doing some nice things uh, as well. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. 
For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Let's see. All right. Before we move on to some questions here. Uh, see the question is, is Frazier's a junior? Yeah, I mean, slated as a 23 graduate. Uh, but did he come in 2020? Yeah, I mean, he would, he would, ha- he would have had to. So COVID year, however you want to play that, he gets that extra year, of course. Um, so anybody who's a junior right now is basically a sophomore as far as eligible years go. All right, so let's go to some questions. Some of these are coming out of, or most of these coming out of fall camp. What can we expect? But here's these type of Q&A sessions I've done. I've done them a few times here on YouTube, uh, but with Gators Breakdown Plus and creating more content for all the users there, more episodes like this are there. So I think uh, I post them on Thursdays of uh, on Gators Breakdown Plus. Of course, I, I don't change what I've always done on Gators Breakdown. You will always, during the season, Florida will play a game on Saturday. I will have a game review on Sunday. Will Miles and I will get back together on Monday, take a look back, take a look ahead, and then a game preview on Wednesday, Thursday, sometime, you know, wherever uh, I can get that at. Corner, if I have a guess from the other team, what their schedule is and how fast I can bring it all back together and edit it, put it out there for you. But extra content, Q&A episodes, chats over on Gators Breakdown Plus, all those extra episodes will be over there. But this is kind of the format we'll do it sometimes. So Bud Davis, big time analytics that he throws out there on Twitter. Give him a follow. But on Gators Breakdown Plus Discord, he says his big questions. And some of these I'll kind of I've already ta- I've already discussed here. Some of them I'll kind of quickly answer. Most of these I'll kind of just quickly answer. That's where I go with it. Don't try to do a whole lot of research. I I want to answer these like off the top of my head. You know, what what comes first you know, and when I think about these. So Bud Davis says, big question, who takes over at running back? And, man, that is such a good question because I don't think there's an easy answer. Montreal Johnson, experience with Billy Napier, had a really good spring game performance at the same time. He's going to get a lot of carries. He's going to get a lot of carries. Daquan Wright is also going to get a lot of carries, a lot of SEC experience. Lorenzo Lingard, Trevor Etienne, you heard me discuss those two early. I do think the bulk of the carries will go to the first two guys I mentioned, Johnson and right. And I think for running back, it's just, I, I, I think, you know, can we go back and Billy Napier is kind of, I went back and, 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 and looked, it was a couple months ago. So excuse me if I'm kind of misremembering it, but there were some years where it did look like they had more of a workhorse, yeah, workhorse running back. But other years, they did split carries a bit more through all of the running backs. So what does this mean for a four-deep running back room? And I, I, and, I, and I do think they have some different qualities to them. Montreal Johnson, while he is fast, he's not super fast. I don't know how many breakaway runs he's going to have. Now, can he have those 20, 30-yard poppers and bruising defenses for five and six yards of carry at a time? Yeah, he can be that. He, I, I know he can be that guy. Naquan Wright, a little more slippery. Great pass catcher out of the backfield. A lot of experience. And a lot of pass blocking is going to come into this a, a, a bit as well. Naquan Wright, pretty good at that, at that as well. 
then Lorenzo Lingard just not a lot of experience to fall back on. Trevor Etienne's a true freshman, so pass blocking for him, of course, that's one of the biggest adjustments those guys have to make. But he's been slippery in fall camp so far, coming up with some big runs. All these guys hitting big runs, but are you going to be able to do it SEC competition week in and week out? Are you a home run threat? A lot of this to me, it, it is going to be wait and see and looking. And I hate saying that, but this is so new. I have no problem admitting sometimes, like, I don't know what's going to happen, especially right now. I mean, Billy Napier's offense, can we go back to Louisiana? Sure, we can, but that's a four year sample size. Talent's different. Now, he does walk into Florida with what he can do similar at Louisiana, which is an experienced offensive line, a deep running back room, a quarterback that can take off and run. Okay, you can see where it may look a little similar to what, he, what, to what we saw at Louisiana. But at the same time, he's also got a quarterback that can launch the ball 70 yards down the field. So if there's a receiver that can consistently beat coverages and get deep, that opens up the offense a bit more. But how this roster is constructed so far under Dan Mullen's vision or lack of vision, but either way, looking at the roster, how it's built, an experienced offensive line, a heavy running back room, a quarterback that can run. Okay, yeah, you can see where this is going to be a, I think, at least 55% run team, 55 57% in that range. But what does that mean for the running back room? Is it a workhorse? Is Johnson going to get 15 carries a game, game in and game out? Or is it going to be Johnson versus Utah gets 15 carries? But the next game, it's Lorenzo Lingard who gets 15 carries. And then the game after that, they quite right, 15 carries, 20 carries a game. You know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how, how it's going to work out. I think these guys, all, all of these guys bring some uniqueness to the running back room when they're out there. This is something I'm, I'm, I'm willing to just wait and see. I can guess. I can really guess, but that, that, I'll admit, that's all it is right now. It is a pure guess. I have no idea. And that, look, that is an advantage for Florida right now in some ways, if you, think in, if you think about it. Utah has no idea what to expect from Florida. None whatsoever. Can you go back and look at, at Louisiana film? Sure. And that's going to be the base of this offense. He's not going to go – Tiger doesn't change your stripes too much. But I think Billy Napier can adapt. I think he can change. He's got a quarterback like he's not going to have for at least a couple of few years with Anthony Richardson. But I see James saying 80-20 ratio. No, it's not going to be that. It's not even, it wasn't even close to that at Louisiana. where I think he had to rely on the run game more because the quarterback that couldn't hit the deep ball consistently. Florida's got to prove to have receivers that can get open like that. But, no, nah, it'll be 55 57%. 60 at the most, and I think that's pushing it. Who gets cornerback two? Well, Bud listed like five, six questions here. Who gets cornerback two? Um, I'm going to go starting the season. I'm going to go Avery Helm 
So Jason Marshall, Avery Helm. Avery Helm's bulked up, put some weight on. Played better at the end of last season than he did toward the beginning of the season. So Avery Helm gets it. Devin Moore plays a lot. Who is our best non-Dex defensive tackle? He puts with a question mark Jalen Lee. I'm going to say Watson's the best. How much can he be out there? He was either in the last practice or last scrimmage. It was Jervon Dexter, Desmond Watson, Prince Lee Eumann-Milan for the first team defensive line. So I do think they'd rather have Watson out there. Of course, the question is how much can he be out there? Where's his conditioning at at that well over 400-pound weight? Can he stay on the field? So I think he's going to start some games while he's fresh, and then maybe a situational player, short yard situation, of course, throughout the game, and then hopefully you can end the game with him as well if he's not too fatigued, if he can you know, have some rest throughout the game. But the issue is, okay, say you bring him in for third and shorts, the offense converts, and then they start running no huddle just to keep him out there. We saw that happen with Jordan Davis at times last year with Georgia. As good as a player he was, sometimes you just get too tired. So there's a third and short situation. Desmond Watson comes in. Florida doesn't get the stop. And then the hurry up comes, and Desmond Watson's still out there. And knowing the issues of what we have heard so far of his conditioning that puts Florida at a disadvantage. So I do think he is the best option. I just think that best option may be limited. Am I talking in circles there a bit? I guess it could be. Is he really the best option if he can't be out there? Because what the, as the old adage goes, the best ability is availability. So he's going to have to prove he's in better conditioning to stay on the field. As far as the, I, I think he is the better playmaker out of, ever, out of everybody else. He's still pretty fast for that size. He's just got to be able to stay on the field. So that is where Jalen Lee comes in. Jalen Humphreys, we just have not. I mean, Lee or Humphreys, we just have not heard a whole lot out of. And that's where some of the big worry in this team comes in, of course. Who is our best non-Torrance offensive guard? Yeah, definitely Ethan White. I, I really believe Ethan White, but kind of the same thing. <laughs> the best ability is availability. He's got to stay healthy. Of course, missed some time last year, missed some time this fall camp. We, we've hit on that. He's back out there now. Definitely him, but I do – I mean, Josh Braun, I mean, really, I mean, highly rated recruited offensive lineman. I thought he would play tackle. This staff seems to like him more – on the inside, so he's behind White, he's behind Torrance. He'll take over next year, one of those spots. Can he fill in that tackle at times this year, too? Probably so. But, uh, yeah, it is Ethan White as the non best non-Torrance offensive guard. But I really like Josh Braun as well. Can Miller Bernie be better in coverage than past seasons? Well, I certainly hope so. Bernie, yeah. I think he'll be asked to be more in that situation a bit more. Miller, I think you try and get him off the field if you can in, in, in passing situations. Certainly Florida needs his, his demeanor, his approach, his toughness, his leadership on the field 
in those run situations where Florida struggled so much last year. But if you can get a Wingo or Black out there and passing situations a bit more, you take that. Bernie as well, if he can live up to that athletic profile finally that he had coming out of high school. But yeah, that is where Miller has struggled. Hopefully not that, you know, throw Scooby in there. Shamar James too as, as some young players. The pass coverage, certainly a question at that linebacker position. And does Zip become a consistent pass catcher? I, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I don't. I think um, certainly has shown potential, catch and run potential as a tight end. So I hope he can be because I think he is a weapon after the catch. A lot of yak there with Zipper. So it's something where I hope Florida can get the ball in his hands more, and that may be dependent on him being a better pass catcher because I really like what he has shown potential-wise as being go get some yards after the catch. And Florida has struggled there, besides 2020, of course, of and definitely last year. Emory Jones had a, th- had a throw to a receiver that was basically turned around and looking at him. Not throw on the not throw a receiver in stride too much. You know, zipper, you hit that guy in stride, or you hit him where he doesn't have to stop on a route. He can make a guy, he can outrun a linebacker for some yards after the catch. Then Chandler came in and he did ask a lot of positive reports about the freshmen out there. Staff seems to be high on Caleb Douglas, Devin Moore, Shamar James, Trevor Etienne. Yeah, I had planned to talk about those guys uh, anyway with the emphasis of this episode being the young players. So Chandler, thank you for sending that question in anyway. But yeah, certainly was going to be part of the episode here. Man, this went a little bit longer than I thought it would. Good good job, guys. Good stuff. A um, couple more comments I'll get into here, I guess, before I sign off here. Thank you for sending those YouTube comments in. John Nevin says, what is your estimated crowd versus Utah? Could it be a record? Um, I'm estimated. I mean, I don't know. I mean, should definitely be north of that 90K. Uh, probably not a record, though. I, I, I don't think so. Because I know there are some tickets available still through season tickets. Single tickets are sold out. Uh, but you can still get in the door if you're willing to spend a little bit more <laughs> and buy a season ticket package. Trey Moo, what's up, man? Hopefully seeing you next weekend. Running back one, 12 carries. Running back two, 10. Running back three, eight. Carries for AR, eight to 10 carries. This feeling it will be very, will be so close on the carry counter unless the back gets hot during a game. Yeah, that, that might be it. I, I, I don't know how Napier's going to play this. I really don't. If you go back and look at Louisiana. It was mixed bag. There were times where one running back got a big share of the carries, and there were other years where it was more split. So I don't, I don't even think history is an indication there either, unless you, know, you just have this dominant running back. Rod Smith says, haven't heard anything about one Black. Haven't either. Really have not. After hearing so much, from the same sources in the spring, 
have not heard <laughs> about DeWan Black. So hopefully, I mean, he was a playmaking machine and turnover, uh, causing turnovers like crazy in the spring. Have not heard that ability in fall camp so far. So don't know what that means. He has shown it, shown it back at spring. What does that mean for fall camp, not hearing it now as we march forward to the first game of the season? All right, let's see. Mag Production says, are you at all nervous that if Florida beats Utah, they have a slump game versus Kentucky? Um, I guess I could see that, but you hope this new approach from this staff, they get grounded pretty quick because um, you'll have to really hit home. And don't get me wrong, these are kids out there. You have to really hit home. Hey, you beat Utah. You want to keep it going. It won't, it, it'll still mean a lot, but people will quickly forget. If you go out there and lose next week versus Kentucky, it's the SEC opener. It's a home game. You got to go out there and do it again. Night game, crowd's going to be crazy for that one. I mean, talking about crowd, you go beat Utah. Man, what can you expect from that crowd versus Kentucky? I mean, it could be even more of a fever pitch, I think. Celebrating the win a little bit from last week at the same time. But SEC opener, a lot of hype and love for Kentucky. I mean, if I'm the coaches, I'm going to say, hey, yeah, you beat Utah, but here's what the – don't get me wrong. I, I do think – look, here, let me get on this tangent for a second. Bulls and board material. On the field itself, I don't think it plays much of a factor. It can play a factor in preparation. I, do, I really do believe there. Take – my best example I think I could give is 2008 Florida-Georgia. You know, Florida loses to Georgia in 2007. They had the end zone dance. So what does Urban Meyer do? Plays the game on a loop during the offseason. Everybody's talking about the end zone dance for a year. Okay. Don't you think that helped in preparation? Florida was better than Georgia. You still have to go there and prove it on the field. I don't think it had much of a effect. The preparation was where Florida won that game. Being ticked off for a year is where Florida won that game. So with Kentucky, all right, week of the game, here you go. Here's what uh, SEC Network says about Kentucky. Here's what Chris Doring, a Gator alumni, one of, one of our own, one we love. Here's what he says about Kentucky, 11-1. and one. Their only loss is going to be to Tennessee, I believe. I think that's what he said, something like that. He's even got Kentucky beating Georgia. This is what people think about Kentucky. Go out there and do what you did last week. Now, all that changes when you get hit in the mouth a little bit, but can it make the preparation better? That's where I think bulletin board material, all that kind of stuff comes into play. Uh, Joe Sharman asked, uh, anything Camp Chief Borders? Not much. <laughs> haven't heard his name a whole lot. Christopher Suggs brings up a good point. I do want to see this too. Love to see some pistol formations. I I'm going to love seeing that with AR and these, and, and these running backs. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, last one here, John Nevin, because there's going to be plenty of Florida-Utah talk next week, of course, but will UF speed outclass Utah? Will simple fans be able to tell? That's a good question of what this game is going to look like. Florida does have more speed than Utah. Florida can somewhat, looking at raw talent, recruited talent, 
fucking out outclass outman Utah based on that. But will we be able to tell that? I'm not, I'm not so sure. Um, how fast is it all jail for Billy Napier and the uh, talent profile of this team? Because I mean, not the still will be their first time on the field together under the lights in a real game scenario. They're going to be growing pains at some point in this game. It doesn't mean you have to lose a game. It doesn't mean that growing pain has to kill you. But there probably will be some at some point, having to use a timeout somewhere or a big play happening due to some confusion. I mean, I do expect those type of things. It doesn't mean you have to lose a game. And is Florida's speed enough to all that stuff where basically speed to me kind of goes along with talent. Just it, it, is the talent just too much a bit? And I think where Florida does have the talent advantage is in speed. I do think Florida's a faster team. And that's one big emphasis in the offseason with strength and conditioning for this team was concentrating on the speed. All right, yeah, but plenty to get into right there. Florida versus Utah next week, of course. Plenty of coverage right here on Gators Breakdown. Three episodes for you next week, at least. I'm going to try and bring back the Twitter spaces as well. Well, three during the season, maybe not during Utah week. You know, there won't be a game to review on Sunday, but when the season gets kicked off, three episodes a week right here on Gators Breakdown. Probably more with the Twitter spaces as well, but three main episodes. Twitter space is more for talking to the fellow fans, getting reaction there. But yeah, answering questions right there on Gators Breakdown Plus from Gators Breakdown Plus members. So join, you get that Discord server, you get those extra episodes, you get to be interactive with those episodes by sending me questions there, hopping in the Discord chat for an episode as well. So plenty, plenty there to keep the conversation going. Gators Breakdown Plus, that link is in the description. So that'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown, everybody. Thank you so much. One more time for those 5 million lifetime plays. Yeah, you, you guys are awesome. Uh, there, I can't, I can't thank you enough, but I will thank you one more time right here on this podcast. So, uh, everybody, thank you for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. 